0: After a couple of weeks, Break. we are
1: back. Yes.
0: Episode 58, down the rabbit hole, and it's called
1: Water, Water Everywhere. Yeah, Water, Water Everywhere. It's quite interesting. It's interesting, because yes. Water is a more interesting subject than, you know, it just runs through your fingers, but. It's a current topic as well. It is very current and is going to become more important as mm-hmm. time goes by. Yep. So we'll get to that in a minute, I think.
0: Yes, because first we want to remind you yeah. that, you know, first be patient with us <laughs> if one week we don't have yeah. a podcast but we have both been very busy very busy yes very busy. it has been unbelievable it's been
1: very difficult to schedule mm-hmm.
0: a- and still if you like our podcast please yeah. recommend us uh, yeah. give us some rating get in touch with us
1: just remember we came back
0: yeah exactly <laughs> you can always expect us to
1: come we back we will come back yeah So what are we going to
0: do first? Uh, Well, like usual, yeah. Let's start with some news uh, before we go to the main topic. Okay. And we start with a very interesting news. Because we talked about something like this before in the US, I think, Uh, related to AI.
1: That's right. And a judge and police. This is what we call, what is called weak AI. Weak AI. It's a very specialized... Mm -hmm. The kind of thing that you talk to when you ring your bank up and things like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, but this one is in the United Kingdom, in England, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a police application of a AI, a weak AI. And it helps the police to make decisions about custody. Who, mm-hmm. which suspects should be held in custody and which should not. Yes. What? Yeah.
0: yeah, this is, like they said, this is risky.
1: There are risks, aren't there? Yeah. Because we were talking before the program about uh, some people have expressed not just about this mm-hmm. um, AI application, but about others. The one in the US as well, The the one we talked about previously, which is that the problem, it's a bit like the general problem with software, which, and at the end, that's what... AI is, right? Oh, yeah. It is software. It and is. the problem with all software, it is really it is no better than the weakest link uh-huh. in the chain. And guess what's the weakest link in the chain? Always a human. It's us, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the problem the difference I think in the uh, between AI expressing, shall we say, human weaknesses and a Accounting package is that an accounting package might uh, might express human weakness by uh, making some calculation error or mm-hmm. not accounting for a specific thing or something. Mm-hmm. But when it's AI, it can be way more subtle to do with bias. So basically, these specialized AIs rely on being given a huge body of knowledge uh, mm-hmm. examples very often yeah. of the thing that they're going to do that stretch over years. Yeah. But the data has to be structured and…
0: In certain ways. In
1: certain ways. And what people are concerned about, and there are actual confirmed examples of where the unconscious biases mm-hmm. in, in the creators of the AI are being expressed, expressed by the by AI. Them. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And they revealed actually the test results from the 2013 uh, run they had with it. Right. And it was interesting because suspects that were low risk yeah. turned out to be accurate uh, 90 per- 98% of the time. Which is good. Uh, accurately uh, cataloged by the AI. Right. While the forecasts that were high risk were accurate only 88%. Interesting. So- and it was reflecting that the tool... Mm. Started to be more like uh, classifying someone as medium or high risk yeah. in order to avoid this kind of uh, uh, so releasing cl- suspects that could or may commit a crime. So a kind of air- playing it safe, airing on the side of caution. Exactly, basically. caution just yeah. to try to not uh, make a mistake. Yeah, and once again, then you start to be already there. I think a little biased.
1: Well, you, you've got to ask. So how was mm-hmm. that? Cautionary approach arrived at exactly how did you arrive to that? You know, was it? Is it to do with uh, on racial lines or uh-huh. religious lines or cultural lines or just plain old gender based or whatever? No. These are the problems, right? So, what else can we say about this? Um, trial? well, they are
0: expecting in the next months to make it a live tool to support officers.
1: One, we'll see. Well, I think the less the police as individuals have to think for themselves, the better. Yeah. Because, and, uh-huh. you know, there have been many examples of that mm-hmm. not going too well.
0: And I was checking here also in the notes, an article that I was—I heard something relative, uh, related <laughs> to that, sorry. Right. That Facebook AI will also try now to identify terrorists.
1: Right. Do they use Facebook a lot,
0: terrorists? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that was exactly my concern. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: I think there are some... (laughs) Don't start me off about Facebook, please. (laughs) Anyway, I I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah,
0: I think we're going to see more news appearing more and more about it.
1: And I think what the general population should be more concerned about is that, of course, these things can be being applied to, say, for example, the Facebook user base Mm -hmm. without you knowing.
0: That, That I think is for sure.
1: Yeah. So yeah. when did you give your consent to have your profiles mm-hmm. used for this purpose?
0: Maybe the moment you signed
1: in and you, was written in very every- small letters. You sign everything over, right? Yeah. You just give everything away. Yeah. And this is this whole debate at the moment, isn't it, about are people willing to give up aspects of privacy for security? Mm-hmm. Subject for another day, right?
0: Question there. Because now... We're moving on off world
1: and far far away.
0: Yes, <laughs> in a galaxy far far away, or
1: at least to a planet or planetary a planet, system
0: planetary over. system far far I away. Think
1: we're, we are in the same galaxy, mm-hmm. galaxy. So,
0: well, scientists just found out that the first uh, the first evidence mm. that uh, Trappist one system might contain water. Water. That's uh, very interesting for me, I think.
1: It is uh, it is very interesting. It's
0: very interesting because we're starting to explore this possibility of life in another planet.
1: Exactly. And, of course, our main subject is about water. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't think there's a solution here. As we discussed previously, yeah. the any idea of laying, and I'm sure Elon Musk can come up with a solution for this, uh-huh. maybe the Hyperloop... When they realize that doesn't work, they can re- <laughs> reuse the pipes. Well, let me tell you, that the,
0: they, they just show, I, also yesterday, the, the test of the Hyperloop the breaking record another record.
1: What, did, what? How fast did it go?
0: I don't recall. I saw the article, but I didn't read all the article. Yeah.
1: It broke some speed record. Uh-huh.
0: I, know, I, I read a headline saying it broke a speed record.
1: But, of course, what they're not doing is telling you what the acceleration rate is. Yeah. It's no good if the passengers look like a pizza topping on the back in wall, the back of that <laughs> <laughs> that isn't going to work that's not going to be popular right? yeah so so back to the, the outer world trappist yeah. uh
0: they found they have findings that in the two innermost planets uh called trappist 1b and trappist 1c yeah. could have uh, vast amounts of water mm. as a result of the ultraviolet radiation yes and as much as 20 earth oceans, world over the last uh, 8 billion years.
1: Yeah, well, what is interesting is how they determined that there was water. What they're actually seeing is water vapour in the atmospheric signature, the light mm-hmm. that they're getting from the atmosphere. And they're using a, a tool that kind of bolts onto the Hubble mm-hmm. uh, called the Space Telescope Imaging... Spectrograph and a spectrograph, of course, splits the spectrum up into all vertical yeah. kind of colour bars. Colour, and they depending on the molecules is the colour that they indicate. And in they can the the see water, right? In mm-hmm. the, so this is, I think, it is. Is it literally the first example of spotting water? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So fascinating stuff. Yes, um, I sure think we'll uh, I think this uh, it's
0: also um, uh, an ongoing topic.
1: Well, again, we've talked about this before, but obviously, detecting water vapor is uh, fantastic. But what if at some point they can refine this spectrographic analysis and detect industrial gases? Hmm. Yeah, because that's how you could determine whether there was the likelihood of actual civilizations on a... Mm -hmm. That at least went on in
0: that phase. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so if you can analyze the light from a planet, a remote planet, and you can detect chemicals in the atmosphere that can only be made by artificial means, Mm -hmm. then that's that's your indicator of Mm -hmm. alien life, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Anyway, that's a subject...
0: Yes, day. yes, those were the news.
1: Is that the news for today? Is that mm-hmm. what we're doing?
0: That's what we were doing. Well, so we, we move, move
1: now to the water in Earth. The main topic. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, good. Water, water, everywhere. Yeah, Or we are
1: singing in the rain. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's be honest, we're not singing in the rain at the moment. No, <laughs> actually, that's the whole idea of the topic yeah that
0: we're actually not singing in the rain
1: we're not in fact, water that mm-hmm. is drinkable water yes, has been called the next oil yeah in that it's becoming a precious resource mm-hmm. that interestingly i this is one of the things we never kind of think about, just like oil no more water has been made or literally billions of years mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? because it's
0: just been running in the pr- uh, process of what in course. the cycle
1: it's been wherever it's been either yeah. under the earth's crust or in the oceans Clothes coming or, back uh, down up down so, up down so basically the 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 earth was uh, shall we say seeded with water however it happened there's debate about that yeah exactly uh but um we don't there is no new water being made. Right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in fact, I find this quite fascinating actually that a lot of water that we have, bodies of water, the water is hundreds of millions of years old, <laughs> which is quite weird. To think yeah. About it. Yeah. Right?
0: You think about it more like. It's not something you think mm-hmm. about,
1: right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so we thought what we'd have a look at today was. Water, drinkable water, and what are the problems around drinkable water today, which there are, are growing problems. Oh, yeah. And we thought we'd start with a very simple thing, which is called the rule of threes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a kind of a survival basic thing, which is that um, you can survive for three minutes without error. air. You can survive for three days without water and you can survive for three weeks without, without food. Without food. So clearly, obviously, if you can carry on breathing, water is always going to be your next priority. So mm-hmm. so clearly water, because it's such a short-term um, need, it means clearly water is a potential conflict resource, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Without a doubt.
0: Um. Uh and for i think we have right now the big one of the biggest problems mm. it's uh with drinkable water and all these uh issues related is the global warming
1: it's being made worse by mm-hmm. climate change climate change we're not sure whether it's global warming
0: right? true true
1: i don't want to get any in an argument exactly you
0: know you know for example also that they are they're trying to discredit uh, uh what's the wasn't it the scientist uh, neil uh, Neil deGrasse?
1: Oh, Neil deGrasse, that American yes. media... Yeah, they're trying guy. to
0: discredit him now, saying that he's just an actor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Donald Trump, who's exactly. just a... Yeah, so, fill, yeah. fill in the blank.
0: Yeah, and that was because of a tweet recently and with the happenings in uh, uh, in Texas with oh, uh, in the, uh, the hurricane. Yeah.
1: Why? What? what did he say then?
0: Well, that, you know, they... Like, to people like to believe somebody saying that it's going to rain, like a scientist.
1: Right. But when
0: they tell you it's going to come a hurricane or it's because of the... Climate change. Climate change, they laugh of, uh, of it and they don't pay attention to it. All right, right. So they like to pay attention more to some pseudo-science. Some pseudo-science. Than the real science telling yeah. you things are happening.
1: So this DeGrasse guy, he said, this is that, a climate change issue. Yeah. He gets jumped on by... Some
0: people, yeah, saying that. You Some know, people in the Donald.
1: Exactly. Troop. Some mm-hmm. kind of bots, you
0: know. Uh,
1: yeah. So the briefing against him in the media. Mm hmm. Oh, it's, you know, that is the quality of debate in American politics at the moment. Not very high. So, coming back to our yes. general subject. So the thing is drinkable water and access to it mm-hmm. is pretty fundamental, right? Not only as an individual, you're not going to last course. long without drinkable water but even as a civilized society imagine how quickly civilized society would break down if water stopped coming out of your tap in the kitchen it would be chaos the shops the stores would get emptied within a few hours
0: yes of or any bottle of water they have yeah
1: and within a day it would be chaos right yeah as for you sure. say it would be mm-hmm. chaos so Society, and even countries themselves, depend on um, access to drinkable water. And today, uh, we're in a situation where many countries, obviously, either have their borders defined by a river. Oh, yeah. Just think about the
0: US and Mexico. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Is that yeah. in the Rio Grande? Isn't it? Yes,
0: it runs all across the border. Actually, does the border that so is it. literally the border. That's literally the border.
1: Yeah. Uh, or you have countries like in well, many places like in Africa, I think, where there is a huge body of fresh water with countries bordering on it. Yeah, and if we look to the uh, East Middle East, you've got the Nile, which exactly, actually, which actually runs through nearly a dozen countries, mm-hmm. and. You know, questions of who who controls or owns the water or the flow of water uh, are big issues and uh, is, is actually one of the oldest examples of human cooperation. And, yeah. and strangely enough, apparently there have been very few conflicts over issues about water rights. And it actually has a special phrase, which we'll come to in a minute, but it seems that over time we've managed to actually avoid direct conflicts over water, flows, flows Mm -hmm. of water. Um, And it's thought that that's mainly due to the fact that it's really, really quite difficult to change the direction of a huge river. Imagine trying to redirect the Nile or (laughs) redirect the Amazon or something. Uh Uh, Or if you buy some huge lake like Lake Victoria, uh, you can hardly move it, right? Um, so basically over the centuries and the millennia, uh, so yes. so countries have found ways to accommodate Mm -hmm. their need to share these common, common things, but we're now in a new century.
0: Yeah. Change. Things are changing completely. Things
1: are changing. And there is apparently, uh, detected by experts, a growing... Potential for what is referred to as hydro conflict mm-hmm. and countries are increasingly attempting to secure current and future water supplies against a a disrupting climate change background, yeah because of course we've got rising sea levels. And the rising sea levels, of course, that's salt water. Yes,
0: that's exactly why at the beginning you made the clarification. We're talking about drinkable water. We're talking about drinkable because water. Because although we have the big oceans, that's... Uh, can't drink it, We right? can't really drink it, and, so...
1: And of course, you, there are desalination technologies, but yes. they require huge amounts of energy. That's a problem. And there's no... I mean, if I talk about my own country, as far as I recall, there's actually a huge desalination plant on the River Thames, near yeah. the where it enters the sea, uh-huh. uh, for actually uh, providing additional drinking water for London. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes at a huge energy bill. Wow. But there are attempts now to actually create desalination plants that are solar-powered.
0: That is kind of uh, interesting, sense, yeah.
1: It? And there are new technologies using new technologies that are making that possible. Mm -hmm. But it's not an answer for everything. And globally, uh, experts generally agree in this area that without access to potable water, as it's called, drinkable water, uh, there will be no peace, right? Yes, definitely. We have to find a way of sorting it out. So water has been been labelled as one of the grand challenges that we face, because we face many, Mm -hmm. This this is one of the main challenges over the next few decades, and it's thought that the best solution is to manage the current systems we have of of accommodating each other's needs.
0: Well, we have also a very recent example happening now in Italy. Right. Because they have uh, one of the biggest uh, droughts of Uh, ever in their history, that the government started, and this was, I don't know, a few weeks ago, maximum, that they are trying to ration the amount of water that you can take.
1: Of what? From the water?
0: Yes, from from the supply to you.
1: Well, like a domestic water? Yes, yes. Wow. Because they don't have water. So this is presumably because they've... Their infrastructure isn't sufficient.
0: Sufficient to support this longer drought. A longer
1: drought. drought. Uh, That is interesting. Because obviously there has been a long, very hot summer in Central Europe. Yes.
0: And very hot, long, and there's no rain coming around to refresh from time to time. Yeah. So they have been in a big drought and... They start to suffer
1: the rationing,
0: and they start. They are thinking. Oh, I don't remember if they started already ration or not that water.
1: I mean, I have to say that in the where I come from, England. I mean, we are always having this problem, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, this is a a very developed country, but we in the United Kingdom, in certain certainly in certain regions. The infrastructure does not seem to be able to cope with more than a few weeks of no rain, mm-hmm. and quite often we have—not uh, quite often, but it's not uncommon. A, it's not a rare event for in the United Kingdom for there to be um, lowering water pressure and saying to people start to be careful about water usage because, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not rain for months or whatever. So it's not, you know, this happens in a... I think the problem with... I think the problem, again, with water infrastructure Mm -hmm. is it's hugely expensive. And a lot of the infrastructure is probably like a 100 years old. Mm -hmm. It's all Victorian, right? Which is when it was put in in the first place. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of old... Infrastructure, yes, for sure, and the replacement and upgrade cost is like telephone <laughs> numbers, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why
0: it's expected that the water demand is going to grow up
1: fifty-five percent between yeah by
0: twenty fifty by twenty fifty exactly. Yeah.
1: And uh, again, because of freshwater supplies are are known to be drying up, and with climate change and raising sea levels, it's altering mm-hmm. vo- country borders. I mean, if you look at uh, what is likely to happen to country outlines with rising sea levels, it's weird. Have you looked at those <laughs> global maps? Where, I have seen, yeah, yeah. Where the water level's gone up two metres. And countries disappear suddenly. You hardly, <laughs> some places you can't recognise where they are. Right? Yeah. It is weird. Um, and, of course, we've got... Um, unrestrained population growth.
0: Mm-hmm. And we have a problem of education as well. Absolutely. You know, I remember when I was a child in the beginning of the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, there was a big campaign for treating water better because, you know, it has to be considered a scarce resource.
1: Right, right.
0: Uh, there were commercials broadcasted all the time on TV yeah. of several situations of everyday life. Like a parent or somebody like taking a shower right. and let the water running all the time yeah and was coming in the sun and closing it and say you know yeah, close you it yeah. or uh there was the father or again i don't know why always the father but <laughs> grabbing the hose and you know spreading water to wash the car right. like that yeah. Yeah. And letting the, the thing keep on flowing, yeah, leaving yeah, it in yeah, the ground. Yeah, just putting it on the ground. And again, what's coming the kid and closing mm-hmm. it off. And, yeah. and then uh, washing dishes and let the water all the right, time yeah. running and so on. All this was to try to educate mm. people to awareness. preserve mm. awareness about awareness. water. Yeah. So this kind of, uh, I think that right now we're in a situation where we need to start to... Uh, improve this education, this awareness again to people related to water.
1: It's almost like it needs teaching at a very early age, isn't it? Exactly. As part of your education of being a good good citizen, shall we say. Exactly, yes. Just to think about conserving, think about ways of conserving water. Mm -hmm. And talking about that kind of thing, uh, one of the other factors to do with why we may have problems in the fu- in the near future is to do with what we call popular politics, populist yeah, politics, populist. which is causing another phrase for it is hyper-nationalism mm-hmm. where countries are kind of withdrawing into themselves and they're putting their own needs first and not thinking about the larger community, shall we say? Yeah. Communities beyond their own borders. And... Uh, with this potential demand of increase of 55% between now and 2050, you have to think, what What can we do about it? Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings us to the kind of next part, which is that another thing is that um, we all know that resources get speculated on. So like um, copper and... Uh, yeah. Uh, Silver and gold. And gold, there's always always a price. They're always always speculative and the speculation in commodity products like corn and wheat and pork bellies and all this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is now uh, an emerging market in water. Mm -hmm. So there's actually, there are beginning to be investment vehicles to do with water. So it's now become an investment class which yeah. is which is worrying because as soon as money gets involved in terms of commercial money that brings all kinds of new pressures into the are we going to see people hoarding water where you can cut off yeah water supplies to places because you you want to hold it back because it's going to be worth more next
0: month exactly that becomes like a business to
1: well already I don't know whether it's the case here. Is the water company private in um, where we are? In, in Romania? In, yeah. Is it private, the water supply? No.
0: It's, n- it's owned by state. the government. yeah.
1: In the UK... Gas
0: is private. Gas
1: is private, is it? In the UK, all the utilities are private, right? Mm-hmm. Electricity, gas, water, all of it. And... You could imagine, you could imagine a situation where you might end up with water becoming rationed, depending on how much you were willing or to pay co- for it. A
0: commodity,
1: <laughs> <laughs> if if it's not handled correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like obtaining power through water. Well, it, practically,
1: it becomes a negotiating tool, doesn't it? Yeah. So. It could do. Mm -hmm. So if we just have a quick look at how we've managed up to now, and then we'll look at what can we do, right? So how have we managed up to now?
0: Well, uh, there is this role uh, in politics that Hmm. goes back a long time ago, centuries, uh, especially in the ancient world, where large bodies of water were forming these boundaries. This is what we were talking about. Yeah. So. these large bodies of water and the boundaries uh, forming nations and people, uh, they created this, uh, how can we call it, organization called XPRIZE.
1: Yeah, we know XPRIZE. XPRIZE, we know it.
0: But they created this division called uh, Water uh, Management uh, XPRIZE. Water Abundance, it's called. Yes, Water Abundance. So it's about uh, creating a project for innovative ways on the management solutions exactly. of the water, yeah.
1: So and this lady Zenia Tata, exactly Zenia Tata. Um, she is saying that um, today's geopolitical landscape is looking very different, mm-hmm. and that access to water clearly remains a paramount of paramount of life. importance. Right, <laughs> and in many areas of the world, obviously bodies of water are running through or brush up against many country borders. Mm -hmm. And this thing has developed over time called riparian Riparian water water rights. rights. Now, I'd never heard of that. Me either. And (laughs) uh, effectively, it's it's a a recognised legal term in common law, and it's to do with how water is allocated Mm -hmm. from a source like a river, who gets what, who's... What is a fair way of dividing the water up? And that is how we've actually managed up to now, is by applying this principle of riparian rights to water sources. And interestingly, in the case of a river... Mm -hmm. not surprisingly, <laughs> the nearer you are to the source of the river, of the source, the more the rights you have, The more power you have, right? Yeah.
0: So the guys or the countries that are exactly where it originates yeah. or nearest have, to it have rights over that resource more well, than the ones under. On
1: and of course, they have control. Mm-hmm. So there's right
0: they could make a, a dam, a dam, and boom.
1: That's and in fact, it. that has happened on yeah. the Nile. On the Nile, they've actually built a huge dam. And I think uh, Ethiopia, which is on the further down, stopping there now. Well, they actually entered into long-term negotiations with the Egyptian government to make sure that when the when the dam was built, they had certain guarantees about water flows and so on. So again, that is an example of this repair, mm-hmm. riparian rights being used to avoid conflict, which is quite interesting. Yeah. That, that we actually have developed ways of avoiding conflict in certain areas yeah. without involving, you know, super, supranational, yeah. like the United Nations. We've just figured it out. Mm-hmm. We all need to drink water. Let's figure it out, right? Yeah. And that was a very, very good example. Another one... Is uh, the Jordan River. Is the Jordan River. And... It is uh, the Jordan River Basin is the primary source for many regions Jordan Palestine and, and Israel. Israel these countries are not natural friends of each other uh-huh right? which is interesting
0: yeah but the worst is Syria uh,
1: exactly <laughs> um, but even then they well an example of where it went wrong is Syria exactly exactly and In fact, uh, and we give a link to an article that Mm -hmm. discusses it, um, water issues have been partly blamed as one of the factors in the emergence of Islamic State Mm -hmm. in Syria. Yes. And that is an example of where people couldn't get round the table ultimately and sort something out. Which is shows yeah. you what the consequences can be, right?
0: And there's a very interesting statistic according to the Pacific Institute, yeah. which is based in California. Yeah, it's a non profit organization, and they are saying that there have been doses of water related conflicts worldwide
1: since 2000 BC yeah. to present day. And in fact, the link <laughs> that that link yes. there shows a really interesting document that goes all the way all there the way and shows all the, the conflicts com- related known, to this and includes the the ones. Currently there. Which so, is
0: interesting because 2017 yeah. has eight known conflicts re- directly related to yeah. water access.
1: And it's only August, right? <laughs> yeah, we still don't <laughs> end with a year. Yeah, so there's, there have been eight already. Already. And um, it is a very interesting, clearly a very interesting area. Mm-hmm. Can bring out the worst in people definitely and, and actually can bring out the best in people mm-hmm. so
0: so how do we how, make sure we have enough water how, how do, do we, we do
1: it so the real answer maybe <laughs> the real answer maybe lies in how um countries with food and water mm-hmm. uh export those things to other countries now this brings up a very interesting concept. Now I yeah. have come across this concept before. Uh-huh. And the concept, if I just leap to it, is virtual water. Now,
0: Whoa. What is virtual water? <laughs> Not drinking in a video game for sure.
1: It's not it's not drinking in World of Warcraft, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you're like, mm, I got money enough water for today.
1: <laughs> Interestingly, virtual water is a really interesting concept, which is uh-huh. that if you are a country uh-huh. that has a surplus of food and let's think about say vegetables. Uh-huh. Let's just think about vegetables and uh-huh. um cattle. Uh-huh. Right. If you have an industry, if you're a country that has an industry where you can grow fruit and vegetables and raise cattle and then you export those fruit and vegetables and cattle to another country...
0: Do you get water in return?
1: What, no. What you are effectively doing is you are subsidising the country that you are sending those products to. You're subsidising their water consumption because the water is coming from your country Uh and has been invested in the cattle because they have to drink (laughs) water yeah, and in the vegetables and fruit to grow. To grow, yeah. So basically, when countries import food, they're actually importing the water that went into growing them that they don't have to use. Is it the idea? Yeah. So this is the concept of virtual water. Interesting. You're actually... Importing water embedded in products, mm-hmm. like that meat, was used to develop those products, like meat, yeah, uh, vegetables, fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the that's the concept of virtual water. We'll come to that in a second. Uh, but um, a professor of uh, geography at Oregon State, uh, Aaron Wolfe, mm-hmm. uh, he says there are three main issues that we need to think about in the twenty first century. Um, um and we're just gonna walk through them before we get to virtual water itself. Now, Oregon State University kind of specializes uh in these kinds of issues and it's actually their tagline is the, yeah. the College of Earth, Ocean and Atmospheric Sciences. So yes. this this is their thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um Mr. Wolf, Professor Wolf, he's identified three core issues, which the first one is pretty obvious, water scarcity, Uh, and that a lack of safe, reliable water kills as many people worldwide as malaria and HIV-AIDS. I presume that's annually, presumably. And the second one is the... The political uh, issue. The fallout from the scarcity. And obviously Syria is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> making yeah. Which basically, uh, in Syria, uh, drought drove people into cities, mm-hmm. which then pushed up the prices of food, exacerbated tensions in the country that were already there, yeah. and effectively led to breakdown of civil society. Yeah. They were um,
0: called climate refugees.
1: They ended up being climate refugees. Yeah. They had to go to other countries to seek water. Water. And and food. Unbelievable. Uh-huh. And of the course. Third one. And of course that led to further political tensions. Yeah. And then the third main issue is the most underreported, it is thought, which is transboundary flow, which is basically water moving. Between countries. countries. And we've touched on that earlier, which is this riparian rights. And interestingly, it's probably the most underreported because Mm -hmm. incredibly for the violence-prone species that we are, we have actually managed on the whole over the millennia to avoid conflict over these issues. But of course now we've got these additional pressures of climate change and uh, population becoming a real factor, I suspect this will start to break down, this riparian rights Mm -hmm. stuff. So then those are the three main issues.
0: Yes. So we go back now to the importance of the virtual water. So we're
1: just going to come back to this virtual water thing. So effectively, not all water exists in rivers and lakes. Yeah. uh, Or even the oceans, although that's obviously not drinkable. There's water in the soil and the soil that farmers use to grow vegetable crops and feed livestock. Yeah. And so the water is in the soil and through drinking for animals and so yeah. on is transferred, transferred into these products. So whether it's wheat or beef, when they get shipped or up until the point they get shipped, they have taken advantage of a water surplus – In the country where they were grown or Mm -hmm. reared. And that when they are imported into other countries, it becomes known as virtual water. And the phrase virtual water was coined by um, uh, John Anthony Allen at King's College London, Mm -hmm. who specialised in these kinds of issues. and. Um, it is thought that virtual water is going to play a huge role in the 21st century.
0: Yeah, like, for example, in Europe, mm. 40% of the virtual water comes from outside of the continent. I know, 40 It's a lot, 40%. That's unbelievable, right?
1: Yes. So if we had to start growing all that product mm-hmm. uh, or rearing all that product, we, yeah. would, we would be in trouble real quick. Right? Definitely. Without a doubt. Um so basically uh farmers actually are managing much of the kind of undisclosed water mm-hmm. supply. They're actually doing water management yeah. in a way. And we need we need to pay more attention to how farmers do that. Um and as we say, countries that are water deficient import their water as finished products. Mm-hmm. Vegetables, fruit, uh, meat. And the problem is that this role of farmers isn't recognised. Mm-hmm. And basically, it need, more needs to be done to recognise what they're doing. And the problem is that the countries that they're importing, the f- that the food's been imported into, politicians mess about with the marketplace. So politicians want their citizens to feel, shall we say, secure in their access to food and water, um, or certainly food. So they interfere with the markets and, um, for example, keep prices low by subsidising certain things. Yeah. And the problem is this distorts the market and uh, this virtual water market isn't allowed to function normally. So there's yeah, all exactly. political distortion is affecting this this fundamental mechanism of, of virtual water distribution.
0: That that statistic that we have here in the notes is very interesting. Yeah. Because over sixty percent of the around two hundred and twenty countries in the yeah, world
1: yeah. are
0: major food importers. Yeah. And that means that one hundred and sixty countries depend on importing food and the water needed to make it. Exactly. Which tells you that we are heading to a real problem.
1: Well, it shows you actually how fragile yeah, I mean, everything yeah. is, right? Everything is... We're so interdependent. Exactly. We literally cannot afford this period of hyper-nationalism, mm-hmm. populist politicking... To shut countries off from each other?
0: No, that that is what will lead to chaos to disaster. going to be
1: a people need to wake up and kind of smell the coffee, right? Yeah. That the the future is in collaboration, not definitely, clearly, not in petty conflict and so on and so forth. So, the interesting thing is that currently, whatever peace there is in the world is, you could literally say is down to the kind of undeclared virtual water trade. Mm -hmm. And without that virtual water trade that is not well known, there would be much, much more conflict in the world and that making sure that virtual water trade continues needs needs to be a high priority. And um, basically, the big challenge is making sure that we carefully and peaceably manage the demands of population growth against this virtual water Mm -hmm. trading that's going on. Um, And what we need to do is help farmers who live in nations that have lots of water to do their job successfully and then manage how it moves around to drier countries.
0: Yes. Um, Start this... uh uh, exchanging or collaboration.
1: I I actually think it needs to be more in the public eye mm-hmm. that this virtual water trade is is part of the glue that is holding the world together. Together, <laughs> it's not yeah. just it's not just about politics and selling yeah. weapons to each other and.
0: Is the bubblegum keeping us yeah, together. You stretch it too much, we'll break. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this, is, this is real fundamental stuff, right? Yeah. Anyway. Books. That is our main subject. It's very interesting. Yeah. We've got lots of links for you to read more about it. We thought we'd finish with a couple of books. Uh-huh. A book and a movie. And a movie, yes. Now... I happen to have read this book.
0: I didn't read it. You've
1: not read it? No. I read this book when I was about 18, uh-huh. which was more than a couple of years ago, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the book is by British writer, J.G. Ballard, who's mm-hmm. a very famous guy. And this is one of his first popular published works. Yeah. Published in 1962, a science fiction book called The Drowned World. And it's basically set in 2045 in a post-apocalyptic and unrecognisable London. Yeah. And it's basically um, about – there's quite a nice description in the book, despite it being written nearly 60 years ago. Yeah. uh, There's a very nice description of how the catastrophe happened. Yeah. And – It's interesting. It is about uh solar radiation has caused the ice caps to melt, worldwide temperatures to soar, leaving the cities of northern Europe and America submerged in a beautiful and haunting tropical lagoons. And this is this <laughs> yeah. is this is way before we were talking about exactly. climate, change, right? Any, anything before climate change? Way before. It was popular in the popular culture. <laughs> Yeah. So this Is a very good example of a science fiction writer kind of getting it right, (laughs) kind of thinking about the future and um, saying something. And it's a very interesting book to read. So, highly recommended. And he has some other books, science fiction books, that are fantastic as well. And the film, I've not seen this film.
0: Me either, but it's called Hell from 2011 and directed by Tim uh, Feldbaum. It's actually a German film. Yes. Av- available with subtitles. And the story is about uh, a world, or the world, that gets ten degrees uh, Celsius temperature uh, rise, rise mm. and has made daytime uh, very dangerous. Yeah. You cannot really go out without going, uh, let's say, covered with uh, goggles, and, and- <laughs> in the description of the movie it says like
1: vampires on holiday. <laughs> 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 those are wrapar- those would be wraparound around sunglasses right yeah
0: so in the film this uh, group of survivors in this world uh follow uh trail distant birds yeah in the search of water yeah. so uh besides you know
1: the film looks very washed out washed
0: out and so on because you yeah. know there's so high temperatures and yeah. so on uh Hell mostly follows the post-apocalyptic playbook, according to some of them, a portion of humanity. Uh, some of the humans let the side down and resort to forbidden flesh. So they become cannibals is. and I they do, start to...
1: I don't yeah. think that's anything to do with other members of the family. It's something else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something to do with a knife and fork and... Uh, so,
0: yeah, yeah. Those, that, that's the film we were recommending. Film if you have book. seen it, let us know how it is.
1: Yes, I can tell you the book is very good. Uh-huh. The Drown World. So, that is our subject. That's our subject. So, lots of links in the...
0: Yes, for sure. And take care of the
1: water. Take care of the water. So, if you're drinking a glass of water at the moment, think about where it came from. <laughs> yeah. And how old it is. Ooh. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: So we reached the ending of the show. That was a very interesting subject about water.
1: We're going to go and drink some beer now. (laughs) Yeah. The the best use of water ever invented.
0: Yeah. Like there was a video recently going again from the Guardian, I think, how to, (laughs) Pour beer like a pro. Like a pro. And not get what, straight stomach, into your mouth? No, stomach <laughs> problems uh, after you drink beer. Oh, really?
1: Well, what is that
0: then? Well, you just have to pour the beer. Usually we try to pour the beer without getting... An angle. In an angle to not get that much of the yeah. foam. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you do start like that, but then turn it, so you get actually foam.
1: Yeah.
0: The foam, the carbonated water goes out, which mm-hmm. is what creates the problems with the stomach. Oh, the bloated it's feeling. The bloated feeling and... The um, the foam actually protects the taste and you have in the foam, the taste of the beer, uh. and the hops and everything. And then you have when you
1: drink it, so you foam, take from the foam and the beer itself, so the liquid foam. So the the bubbles in the foam have got like elements of the taste yes. and the. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. That was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I may have to study that in some detail. <laughs> Make some tests. <laughs> I think exhaustive experiments are necessary. Yes. I can see it coming up.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, yes. And we thank will talk to you next week. Thank you, Rafa. Bye, Carl. Bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved. Dark Mind Radio, 2017.